Just a little warning for anyone who found this just randomly off the top of their head. I can't imagine anyone but myself will ever listen to this, but in case you did randomly stumble upon this, this is just me trying to piece together my own childhood. And the only person I really trust to tell me the truth about a lot of stuff is my Nana. And I think you'll understand why as as you listen through. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of really personal stuff in here. There's topics of abuse, drug use, a whole bunch of stuff. So, if you randomly stumbled upon this and you're expecting a, a light, you know, f- fun time chat with me and my Nana, you're uh, a little bit mistaken. <laughs> I don't think anything in here will be too terribly upsetting, but it's really just personal stuff about myself and my family that a lot of this stuff in here I'd never heard before. Uh, you can tell by my reaction what I hadn't hadn't heard before, but um, yeah, this is this is the very first conversation with my nana. God, this knife is just so cool. I wouldn't even clean it up, honestly. It's yours to do. You have to show me the initials. I'll know right away. Because the Russian alphabet is different, so if Diero put initials on it, he would have not done the greatest job because it's very hard for him to think and write in English. I really think it was him. And he would he would think in Russian and then try and translate and write it down. And uh, he, you know, he was he could speak English well enough to work, have a job, but. He was still, everything he taught us was all in Russian. And did you say that last name? Sam? Kuznetsov. <laughs> yeah, Sam is definitely the easier part of that. It's K-O-O-Z-N-E-T-S-O-F-F. And that's how the immigration heard it, as Kuznetsov. It's actually Kuznetsova. Because in Russian it is reversed. So it is KS. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. See, my maiden name was Semenov because Dad is Semenov. Mom was the Kuznetsov. <laughs> you say it so fast. That's like a multi-syllable word. You just go like Kuznetsov. Well, it's my first language. It's crazy. And uh, some people, like Nina, who moved away and were never, like they didn't use their Russian. She understands everything I say, but she can't string sentences together. And for me, it comes back very quickly. Yeah. Like to give somebody directions, like a Russian tourist, I would have no problem. I did that in Vancouver. The weirdest thing was when we were in Quebec, I was pissed off, and I don't get angry, but I was pissed off. The Quebecers were so ignorant. The Quebecers. They wouldn't speak English. They just refused to speak English. And I understand French very well on signs, reading it and stuff, but the way they speak is like my Russian. It's a hundred years old and colloquialized, there's a lot of the way they say the words is not correct. Yeah. You know, it's a hundred years 
years old. Well, he's 200 years old now. But the assholes, the way they drive, the way they deal with people, they're just... In the smaller towns, better. But in Montreal and Quebec City, oh my God. <laughs> so I was angry because you don't treat them. This is tourists spending money in your area. What the hell's the matter with you? And went to this... Um, it's the Citadel in Quebec City. It was like the fort garrison. Yeah. It's a, a museum now. Whenever I think of French, I, I immediately think of like the French Catholic. Well, this was the Citadel. It was not religious. It was military. Oh. It's where the French tried to hang on to Quebec and Canada, and the British beat the shit out of them <laughs> on the Plains of Abraham down below. There was, that was a famous battle you probably learned about in Canadian history, which is so fucking boring you sleep through it. Yeah, I was going to say, if I learned about it, I, I was... Yeah, it's gone. Long ago and far away now. So we were touring the Citadel, and I was really, like, totally fed up with the uh, Quebecois. But there was, like, busloads of tourists from all over the place. And I had to go to the bathroom, and it was down these stairs and kind of underneath. And I could hear pure Russian, like modern Russian. And I thought, am I hallucinating because I'm so sick of the Frenchmen? <laughs> but no, it was Russians. Moscovites. Moscovites? They were from Moscow. Oh, I didn't know that's what you called them. So when did you live in Nanton? I would have been five, Oh God, four. so that was like... We moved off the farm when I was four and there was four places. There was Nanton, Edmonton, Radisson, Rockyford. So two years it took for dad. When we moved to Pincher and into that house was the year the Shell plant opened. All those houses were being built. It was also the year Canyon School opened. The whole donkey or horse hat thing that was in Nanton? When Dero put that, no, that was Dero in BC that lived by Castle Guard. Oh, okay. There's some of his in the blacksmith shop at the Dugabor Museum. Some of that is Dero's. Oh, shit. He donated and he helped build. Wow. And I donated some things to the museum in Pincher. Oh, shit. I gotta go to both of those now and figure out. I don't know if there'd be any way to tell. I no. Guess. They just set it up as a an example of a working blacksmith shop where he would have sharpened tools and built horseshoes and made like the metal, um, like a strap that comes across on a barn door. And then it would have had a thumb latch that lifted part of it to open. Ghetto built all those kind of things, hinges and latches. They'd get raw metal and then they'd heat it and hammer it to build that stuff. Goddamn. Well, our people, when we came from Russia, from Georgia, they weren't just ignorant peasants, they were artisans. They all knew how to do something. Farming, like how to grow things, how to build things how to manufacture things. The ladies knew how to go from the sheep to a wool sweater or blanket or clothing. 
and they grew linen, grew flax in the field, F-L-A-X. They knew how to take it from the field to weave it to make clothing, linen clothing. Like they were artisans. They built the houses they lived in, they built all the furniture. They made their own clothing, they grew their own food. God, you could you could actually write a book, <laughs> honestly. I gotta like sit down with you one day. Maybe like record everything. God damn, that'd be cool to show my kids. You better name one of them Sam. Girl or boy, don't matter. Name it, yeah. Definitely. Because that is the kindest person. Reminds me of you a lot, except he had, he was a big guy with blue eyes. <laughs> Actually, blue-gray, kind of slate-gray, mom's eye color. My dad had the blue eyes, so I had a shot, but no dice. Oh, you were the cutest little brown-eyed guy. Not so little, but very huggy. Yeah, I gotta do that with you one day. Get you in your chair. You can work on something, and I'll just bug you for a while. If we end up moving you to Alberta, we'll stay over in Castle Gar and we'll go to the museum and I can explain many, many things that you go, what the hell's that? And not that interesting until you know what it is and why it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. The thing I always thought was the most fun um, in the Ducobor big houses like you saw there where there was the upstairs where people slept downstairs was the kitchen and the like dining room meeting room in the kitchen there would be hanging from the ceiling on a hook a cradle yeah and it would have rope to four corners and all the ladies ever had to do to rock the baby was just nudge it with their hip as they went by while they're working cooking yeah we saw that at the museum yeah I thought it was crazy the first time I saw it no that was and that way the baby was close and the ladies' hands were free because they cooked the meals to feed everybody three times a day. And everybody could have been up to 80 people and the men working hard, the women doing all the things the women were doing. Uh, they were hungry. That's a wild idea to me. That's something I saw at a museum. Like you, you, you lived that. Yeah. That was like just life. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Well, I used to go to Ducobor Hall in Lundbrecht. If there was a funeral, I was one of the ladies who was cooking. There'd be a platoon of cooking. Oh yeah, because borscht is a big job to make. It's mm. a lot of work, and we'd probably make lapsha too, the noodles. Lapsha? Lapsha. What is that? Noodles, egg noodles. And you would make uh, the noodles, eggs and flour, that's all that was in them. Get them the right consistency and roll them really, really flat, and then toast them on both sides, big and flat, on the wood cooking kitchen stove. Like a lasagna type thing? Or? No. Just very, very thin, flat noodled and oh. it would dry on the stove and then we'd chop them. Like so a very okay. long, very thin, dried egg noodle. Yeah. And then to make lapshelnik, which is noodle cake, you uh, made eggs like you would for scrambled eggs like liquidy and all mixed up and then you'd add noodles and you'd put them in a pan and dots of butter on top and bake for about 20 minutes oh my god good you could cut it like cake and it was like noodle cake 
scrambled egg with egg noodles in it. Wow. Really good. Hmm. Well, they were vegetarians, so that's how they got their protein was eggs and cheese. Oh, I forget that. <laughs> Thank God you weren't vegans. You would have starved. <laughs> oh, no. Vegetarian, lots of eggs, lots of butter, lots of cream. Mm. And that dairy diet, oh, yeah, yoy. Wreaked havoc. Yeah. Well, with Dad, with me, that's where I got it from, with Dad. Mm. It seemed like the Dukobors, based on like the museum stuff I saw, they really knew how to have fun. They like knew how to party when they weren't working. Yes. Well, my my grandma, Dad's mom in Lundbrook, they had the party line phone. Oh. And when she got lonesome, she would phone a friend and then another friend would pick up on the party line. My Aunt Mary Laren, who was from my mom's side of the family, and another lady, and they would sing the hymns, their favorite hymns, over the phone. Hmm. The, you know, for about half an hour, they're singing on the phone. And uh, the, like, prayer meetings, there was no musical instruments. It was all a cappella. Wow. So you could do that. Now, to be, to be clear, hymns aren't necessarily religious, or they were? Oh, they were, yes. Oh, okay. But there were songs that were not religious. Were they, is it the same kind of like, you know, normal God you're used to, like the... You know that song you were playing me with the Russian music? Yes. There's a very similar song, and there, it's all about Katusha, which is Kathy, which is my sister. A woman named Katusha, all about her. Not religious at all. But most of the Russian songs were religious. And some of them were, oh my God, I don't ever want to hear that piece of shit again. And there was a couple that were just beautiful. Yeah. And one was New Sam Yom, which means we all will walk together by the still water. So it's very picturesque. It's a funeral song. Oh. Sounds very calming. Yeah. Well, the Dukubor wedding is a huge piss-up party. A Dukubor funeral is more subdued, but, you know, of course people are sad somebody died, but it's more to celebrate their life. Yeah. Like, there's no s religious structure. Lord's Prayer in Russian starts it, and it's beautiful. And then um, the ladies will say, well, what shall we sing? And then they'll sing something. And usually it's a favorite hymn of whoever passed, or their family. And then, now does anybody have anything to say? And people would get up and say, I remember him doing blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and that's the funeral. And it could go on for three, four hours. But when a person passed and they're all laid out in the coffin or whatever, the family, immediate family, sit with them overnight. They stay there overnight with them, and then the funerals the next morning. Yeah, I, which I, is a Jewish thing. So there's parallels. Yeah. When I say this, I mean this in the most like sincere way possible. But I think when you eventually pass, your funeral is just going to be a party, a, one big party. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Play all my favorite music and do lots of I remember when, and eat stuff that's really bad for you, mm -hmm. and have a few drinks. That's the funeral I want, and Laura knows it, and she'll see to it. And tell stories about, remember going picking blueberries with Nana? Your boobs were blue, because your <laughs> bra was full. Well, I got a long time until then.
sticking around at least another 20 years. Oh, I plan to. That's why I'm trying right now to eat healthier. I have a weird question. I just don't know the answer. When did my parents divorce? When was that? It wasn't good. They were already not, should not be together. Well, of course. Match made in hell when you were born. She got pregnant with Amber right away. Stupidity, basically. <laughs> and they stayed together after Amber was born. You guys were living in... Edson? Edson. And your dad got a canned there. Lost his job. Got a job that he had working around Red Deer Stetler that he had for quite a while. And they moved to Stetler and as they were packing up and moving your mom made friends with a lady who was uh, of similar mind, like similar habits into the drugs mm. to share the rent with her. And your mom, since you kids were small, was going to set up a daycare center, yeah. which she could do. Uh, she took all the lessons and stuff. I moved in and lived with you guys and told your dad, I'm moving in with her, not you. And that's when the split happened. Your dad went back and lived in the old house on the, the farm. farm. Yeah. And your mom lived with this roommate who was supposed to help pay the rent, but who was pissing away all her money on drugs and, um... Was she a blonde lady? Yeah. Like a little bit plump blonde lady? Yeah. Oh my god, I remember her. Yeah. I can't remember her name because I really didn't like her. She used to roll around the daycare every once in a while. Yeah. That's weird. And then your mom was making enough money with the daycare that she didn't need her for the rent and uh, they had a great big scrap and that, that one left. Unpaid rent left a bunch of shit behind. They were fighting over that for quite a while. Uh, all drama and I was there trying to keep things as normal as possible for you kids. So when you say drugs, what are you, what are you referring to? I know for a fact that your mom had a pretty heavy cocaine habit because she's got a deviated septum. The flesh that keeps like in your nose that makes you have two nostrils is almost gone. Oh my God. Ugh. Yuck. Yep. Huh. And she would deny it up, down and sideways, I think to this day. Oh yeah. But I, when I was there, she would disappear going out with friends and be gone overnight and longer. Hmm. And I looked after you guys. Because I know there was like a Percocet thing at some point. Oh, it still exists, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. So that would have been like when they officially split. That would have been like 2003 or two? Um, Amber was probably two and a half, three. So you would have been four. And the divorce took a while with custody battles back and forth and stuff. Yeah. And um, your mom cleaned her act up. Oh. 
because I pretty much told her. Well, we gave her a car she wrecked it. So we were giving her another car so that she was safe to transport you little kids in a safe vehicle. It wasn't giving her a car, it was giving you safe transportation. Yeah. And I sat her down and said, look, this is the last car. You need to get your shit together and figure out what you want to do with your life. Your kids are going into school. They're not going to be at home. You don't need to run the daycare anymore. Think about what you want to do. And I told her, when mom was sick, you, well, Marcy was the favorite granddaughter because they were two of a kind. You were the best I've ever seen you. You were so good with her and you were so good with the other patients. Huh. And you're not stupid. Think about nursing. And it took her a few months and then, would you help me? So we said yes and we financed it and I moved in for like months at a time. Yeah, I was going to say, you must have been around quite a lot when I was a growing lot. up. A lot, yeah. And that's probably the only reason that your dad didn't win custody, is that when the social workers came around, there was a nana, the house was clean, the children were clean, there was groceries, your mother was in nursing school, and then nursing practicum, and then got a job nursing. Mm. So then the, the custody thing ended, because when your kids are 12, in Alberta, I don't know about BC, you have the right to say, I want to live with dad or mom. You have the choice. It's no longer the parent says, you are with me. Interesting. Yeah. And of course you did that. I want to go live with dad and, you know, back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. All kids of divorce do. The uglier the divorce, the more back and forth. So mom has always had these like freak out type deals? <laughs> Um, worse as she got older. Oh. I think self-medicating with all the drugs when she was younger. Rather than going like to a psychologist, psychiatrist, getting some psych meds like Zoloft or Xanax or something that's anti-anxiety that would chill her down a bit, make her think straight. She, the cocaine and marijuana and whatever else, that booze, yeah. that's self-medicating. Yeah, I know that very well. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So that's why. And I've sat her down I don't know how many times. When you guys came out for the summer and she was just awful to you. You had me in tears several times. Oh? Like pinning you to the floor and isn't this fun, isn't this fun? And you'd be going stop, 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 stop. And she wouldn't stop? Yes. Yeah, when next time I saw her, I sat her down away from all children and said, that needs to stop. That is bullying. You need to think about how you are with Sarah. Amber can do no wrong, and you're all over again. Oh, well, the times have changed. Now it's the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know if it sunk in or if she was any better. I did the best I could do. And very shortly thereafter, you went to live with your dad. It's weird, because I've been asking these questions for so long. And it's either, oh, well, you don't need to know, you're too young, I'll tell you when you're older. Or just like, I'm embarrassed, I don't want to talk about it. So it's nice to actually hear what happened. 
Oh, there's stuff that happened, Eric, that I don't know. You have, you're old enough. You have a right to know. I do. I'm, when your mom was living in Stetler, your grandma Shirley was completely wingy. She was Marcy as the Antichrist, and those kids are in horrible hands. And I was there 80% of the time, and she knew that, and we never spoke. The last time we spoke, had a conversation, was the day Amber was born in the hospital and maybe the next day. And that was it. Wow. In Edson. Um, she waited, it was before Christmas, and your dad was doing, the divorce wasn't final, your dad was doing drive-bys. Yeah. Oh, like just stopping by to say hi? Well, lurking more like it because he was not welcome. Ah. They were on the fight. And he broke into the basement and crawled into the house. And I saw the evidence and I saw the police report. The cops dragged him away in handcuffs. And it was ugly. And then it was like... He broke in to do what? I don't know, check on you kids, get some of his precious stuff perhaps, because they had moved and there was a lot of stuff in boxes. You know how they packed, it was throw shit in the box. Huh. Um, I don't know. Because I wasn't on speaking terms with him because I couldn't be. I had to be looking after you guys and trying to keep a lid on her. If I spoke to him, she's going to go nuclear. So... I went home to Pea to Creek and um, it was so bad with your dad and the drive-bys and Shirley phoning, making threatening, like phoning and just horrible. I picked up the phone once and it was UC word and on and on. Wow. And so Marcy had a hot button, dial 911. They knew if it's her phone number calling. You have to be there now because she had been threatened of violence. Your grandma Shirley, you know those cow cane? Yes. Yes? Yeah. I've used them. She broke into the house in Ed's in Stetler. Like ten o'clock at night. You guys were asleep. Your bedroom door was closed and attacked your mom with one of those cow canes. Holy fuck. She broke your mom's cheekbone. Jesus. But your mom got the cow cane away from Shirley and took her down with it. Used it like a baseball bat on Shirley's knees. <laughs> Knocked her down flat and hit the 911 button, bleeding profusely from broken nose, broken cheekbone. Jesus Christ. And sat on Shirley and pushed her face into the carpet so that she wouldn't wake you kids up. She called from the hospital, Mom, this is what happened. I got back in the car and drove back to Stetler. Oh my God, I never liked Shirley, but I just couldn't put my finger on it, Jesus. They were in the emergency room, like I didn't get there that night, I got there the next day. They were in the emergency room, you know how there's cubicles with curtains? Yeah. They were as far apart as they could be, and they were patching up your mom, they sent her for x-rays, and Shirley was Tasmanian deviling. Keep her away from me. She's threatening to kill me. 
will surely broke you with a weapon. Yeah, that's beyond illegal. She was charged. She was found to be not mentally competent. She ended up in the nut house. <laughs> and medicated. Whoa. With no choice because she had done bodily harm. Wow. When she came out of the hospital, she had to be tested like once a week and then maybe once every two weeks. They do a blood test and they check the psych meds. Is she taking her meds? There was a complete restraining order. Your dad and your grandma Shirley could not come anywhere near the house or your kids or your mom. Wow. It got that ugly. Your grandpa Jack was completely devastated. Yeah, of course. That it happened. He's like one of the kindest people I've ever met. Yeah. He came to the house. He wasn't supposed to because his last name was Nielsen. He came to the house and talked to Marcy. I was there and apologized profusely and said, I know she's needed meds for a long time. I'm so sorry this had to happen for her to get help. Jeez. So... There's some history for you. Hmm. That would be why your grandma Shirley is so poisonous about your mom. Well, yeah. Jeez. And your mom was never ever going to tell you. And that's not fair. You need to know the why. Yeah. Well, just to figure out my own shit. Exactly. I can't really figure out my own shit if I don't know what happened when I was like a kid. And your mom to give her credit, cleaned her act up and got her and getting a nursing certificate is not easy. It's a lot of work. A lot of school, a lot of training. You have to pass all kinds of exams. You have to be able to do all sorts of nasty things. Yeah. You know, and she did it. The fact that she's pissed it all away is sad, but not unexpected. Jeez. So she's got issues. But your grandma Shirley, if she had been any kind of mother-in-law that a little bit of kindness or understanding, I don't know if it would have made a difference or not. I tried to be the most kind understanding. Like, keep trying to pour oil on the waters and, you know. Oh, fuck that. Yeah, and it, it really didn't help. So then I just decided, lead by example. Look after the kids to the best of your ability. Try, you know, make so that they grow up to be people that are sane. Here's a question for you. Once upon a time in Red Deer, I was digging through this, the garage and I found a letter and I couldn't tell who it was from, but it, it seemed like an intervention letter. It was like, well, this is how we feel when you do this. It makes us feel like this. Was, was there ever like an intervention or anything? No. Your mom had this habit of writing all sorts of, like, letter-type, journal-type. Yeah. And then saying, this is, you know, and in my face, like, if you were a better mother, I wouldn't be writing this shit. No, fuck off. So, immature and abusing substances. So, any of that crap that you find... It's probably not even decent asswipe. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Okay. 
And I'm being 100% honest with you. Like 100%. I'm not putting a spin on it or anything. No, no, I believe you. Your mom was, you know, your, your mom and dad are both decent people in their own way. Terrible combination. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, the only reason I'm asking you this is because you're the only one that tells me the truth. Okay, well, your grandpa Jack probably would. Yeah. If you sat him down with nobody else around. I wouldn't be surprised if he filled you in. But now you don't need to, to make him cry. Yeah, right. That'd be a hard conversation. Very, for him. It's not easy for me. But uh, it's the truth. Wow, that's weird. I'm always so used to hearing about mom's crazy shit. I didn't realize it was... Nielsen's are also a little fucked up. Well, think about your grandma Shirley. Uh, like, how is she with you? And how is she with Grandpa Jack? And how is she with her own kids? Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Weird. So that's, that's my legacy to you is lead by example. Always be kind. Try and understand the, uh, where the other person's coming from. Don't condemn just because they're being an asshole. They might have a big reason for being an asshole. You know? So you've been around, like when I was growing up, you've been like around basically the whole time. Oh, yeah. Huh. You were the first grandbaby. Papa was worked his way up into the brass. He was no longer um, an operator. Became then a foreman, then he became an operations assistant who is the foreman's boss. Like your dad never even got his fourth class steam ticket. <laughs> he is a field hand, he's not an operator. He can call himself that, but he doesn't have the steam tickets. Your pops went to school or was working, like the first 20 years, and then he'd worked his way up. And he was either working at the Shell Research Center at the University of Calgary, or at the Shell Building downtown, or at the Shell Plant, or, you know, the one by between Pincher and Waterton, where he started. Yeah. Or he could have been in Cochrane or Didsbury at the different Shell places. So he was very busy working very hard and not around for much of this at all. Huh. So... It was my department to look after the grandbabies. He loved you guys. Like when he had a day off and we had you, he took you and you liked to throw rocks in the creek down at the swimming pool. Yep. He would take you after breakfast and you were barely toilet trained, so two and a half. He taught you how to pee in the water so you don't get pee on your shoes. <laughs> Um, let you throw rocks for as long as you wanted, as long as you're dressed warm enough. You would come home mid-afternoon, sticky from ice cream, smelling like, you know, the A&W french fries. Mm. And, <laughs> like, he loved you guys. But he had very little time with you. Yeah. I did the looking after, he did the have fun with when he had time. So all of these trips to Fort McMurray, and then Edson, and then Stadler, <laughs> were me. Mm -hmm. 
on my own driving. Jeez, that's crazy. Hmm. Well, I was in that bad accident when I got hurt so badly and my back got buggered. Um, I was in Edmonton because Kathy had landed in the bin again. And it was winter time. And I had seen to getting her apartment cleaned out because it always turned into just this horrible, unlivable, condemnable mess. So Raymond and I and Betty again shoveled out the apartment and got everything clean. And she was in the hospital getting looked after. So then I was driving from Edmonton to Stettler and gonna stay there for a while. And I was in that accident by Pinoka. And your mom was as good as I've ever seen her. You kids were still small. You were, the neighbors took you, like, uh, picked you up at school because um, I was laying in the hallway on a gurney and a nurse said, is there anyone I can call? And I said, yes, my daughter lives in Stadler and this is the number. Well, she farmed you kids out to a trusted friend who I knew and I was okay with and came and found me and they had done x-rays and said, you have significant soft tissue damage. There's nothing broken. There was 60 cars in that pileup because it looked okay. It wasn't snowing, it wasn't anything. But driving south of Leduc, like driving into a white wall. Yeah. And then they just piled up. And I managed to stop, but the idiots behind me didn't. And I was driving a car this size, but lower. And they pushed me under the back of a white pickup truck. Oh God. So I didn't even realize how badly hurt I was because I got whacked really hard twice. Once when they hit me, boom, and then another time when I went under, boom, and I was sort of sitting there blinking. Yeah, I mean, and, adrenaline and all that shock. Yeah, and not really with it, and I had Pop's cell phone, because he never liked me to be traveling without a cell phone, and it was down in the footwell, because everything went, you know, Yeah. and it was ringing, and I picked it up, and he said, hi, how you doing, he was at the shell plant by Pincher, and I was on the highway by Pinoka. I said, well, not real good. There was just this big accident, and I was in the middle of it. Are you okay? Well, not really. You know, I just couldn't, no, I couldn't think. Oh my God, where are you? And I said, well, you know the overpass to get to, into Pinoka? On there, but it's snowing really hard, and there's this huge pileup, so I don't think you can come. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And uh, this great big, I'll never forget her. She had to be six feet tall. And she was wearing the Mounties fur winter hat as oh. well. And she came and knocked on the window and I rolled it down and she said, are you okay? I said, I don't think so. <laughs> Probably not. And she was back five minutes later and she said, the ambulances are all to capacity. There's a man here who knows where the hospital is. Would you be comfortable for him to drive you? Sure. <laughs> Why not? Looks friendly. So I don't remember how I got out of the car. I don't remember walking to his car. I think she just about carried me. But I was small then. I wasn't, like, I was probably 50 pounds lighter. There wasn't a lot to your Nana back then. Uh -huh. And, uh, 
he was a um, medical su supply, like sold whatever medical supplies, the OR stuff, who knows. And that was his job, so he knew where every hospital in northern Alberta was. So he drove me to the hospital and they came and they got me out of the, his car with a stretcher. And there were so many people hurt, I was laying in a hallway. The ER was full, the OR was full, everywhere was full. And, you know, they asked contacts and then I was just laying there. They sent me for the head foot x-rays back to the hallway and she had asked and I said, yeah, my daughter lives in Statler and this is her number. And sort of, they gave me painkillers obviously. And something for anxieties because if you're, there, you know, I was wearing the big collar and they're worried about head injuries. They don't want you to be anxious. They want you to just lay still. Yeah. Well, like concussion. I don't know. I had a big concussion. And I heard your mom. I know she's here. They phoned me. She's here. Let me look. And I called her. And she came. And got prescriptions for me. They, if I was going to stay in the hospital, I'd be in that hallway. And laying there, I could hear them phoning family saying, I'm sorry to tell you this. Because huh. I don't know how many died, 12, I think. Jeez. So we got the last hotel room in Lacombe before they closed all the roads. We tried to get back to Settler and couldn't do it. It was storming that bad. Well, your pops drove the back roads because the highways were closed. And he found us, like he was on the phone with your mom she had a cell phone. Well, I had his cell phone, but anyway, he found us at the hotel in Lacombe. He got there at like 3 or 4 a.m., drove through the snow. Jeez. So I remember him arriving, but I was really doped up. So that's what buggered my back, that I've never seen your mom so good. I know she's here. I'm in nurse's training. Here's my whatever, like her temporary card or whatever it was. Yeah. This is who I am. I can look after her. And she did a bang up job of looking after me. You know that's weird? I remember so many times asking questions and just being told, like, I'll, I'll tell you when, when you grow up. Yeah, and well, now, that's why, because it, was, it got really ugly. I just can't remember. I wish I had, like, a running tally of all those questions now. Well... Your dad was extremely angry and extremely worried about your kids. Well, I mean, rightfully so, I think. Yeah. And he knew if I'm there, you're okay. Yeah. But I could not be there all the time. I was there probably mm, half to two-thirds of the time. It's crazy to think that if you weren't there, like, my mom would probably not have custody of us. That's correct. Probably would have been for the best. But that's correct. Oh well. It's all over water under the bridge. Yeah. When you guys were twelve you had the right to choose who you want to live with. And when you were with your dad, I knew maybe it's not great, but you're okay. No, well, it's a lot better than mom. Yep. <laughs> for I just, sure. I, I wish I would have made that decision a lot earlier. Well, live and learn. Oh, I don't like beat myself up over it. No, no, no. It's not... No. The thing that 
we have in common, why we understand each other so well. I had the same problems with my mother. And I had nowhere to go. Like, nowhere. My dad was like Grandpa Jack with Shirley. He could not stand up to her. He let her run roughshod over us. Yeah. So I understood your dad pretty good too because I grew up that way. He told me some stories how when they got off the school bus they'd be figuratively and literally tiptoeing to see how pissed off is she at the moment. Should we go to the house or should we hang out? Bunkhouse, barn, pick a spot. I've been there, done that. Yeah. Well, that was life for him too. And when his older brother got killed, she went off the deep end. She was horrible. Yeah. And needed to be medicated. And wasn't? No. So yeah, I understand perfectly where you come from. But you know what it does for you? Mm. You have to be confident in yourself. You survived. And you're sane. Well. <laughs> and you know how to treat people better than that. I'll give you the last one for sure. Okay, is there anywhere you want to stop? Uh, I could try plan trade. Okay. Because while we're driving, we can just keep driving. It's not far.
Well, there it is. That's 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 it. There's the very first one. Uh, I truly embarrassed myself there a couple times, but um, yeah. It's a lot of heavy conversation mixed in with a lot of oddly light conversation, so the tone is all over the place. But um, again, that's for me and myself only. So if you made it this far, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, there's no regular. I'm not gonna like do this once a week or some shit. I'm not like making this a show. I'm just whenever I'm in the car with my nana, I'll record her. So I mean, not every time, you know, but. Who the hell knows when there'll be another one. So I really appreciate you listening to this one. And uh, yeah, this this has been a conversation with my Nana.